0: Section fourteen of the Macdermots of Ballycloran. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by K Hand. The Macdermots of Ballycloran by Anthony Trollope. Section fourteen. Pat Brady. When Thady reached the end of the avenue where the fracas had taken place between himself and Keegan, he met Pat Brady as i fear that this talented young man must by this time be subject to heavy suspicions that his faith and honesty must be greatly doubted and as even with those who may still look upon him as a trusty servant it would be impossible to keep up the delusion much longer i may as well now make his character no longer doubtful by explaining some passages which had occurred in his life during the last few months in the first place however we must return for a short time to mr keegan it will be remembered that this gentleman was the son-in-law of larry macdermot's creditor mr flannelly and it had been arranged between the two worthy relations that if by some law craft or other means keegan could obtain possession of the estate of ballycloran in payment of the debt due by the proprietor it should become his Keegan's, property Now this gentleman had long looked forward to the day when he should be able to describe himself as hyacinth keegan esq of ballycloran having been aware that after his father-in-law's death all right in the property would become his own but since he had induced the old man to make a gift instead of a legacy of the debt his passion to become an estated gentleman had hourly increased an ambitious man in his own way was hyacinth keegan he had first longed to obtain admission into the more decent society of carrick on shannon That he had some time since achieved he then sought to mix among the second-rate country gentlemen and by making himself useful to them by Plausibility by some degree of talent and by great effrontery He had become sufficiently intimate with many of them to shake hands with them at race courses and ordinaries And to talk of them to others as Blake Brown and Jones to some few who now usually called him hyacinth and occasionally invited him to drinking parties at their houses he had lent small sums of money on good security and now he was looking to obtain the sub of the county and to be hyacinth keegan esq of ballycloran since the immediate probability of realizing this brilliant vision had occurred to him he had left nothing undone which could as he thought lead to its completion From the constant business which he had with Thady, he pretty well knew all the difficulties of the McDermott's, and the great poverty of their house, and he had observed how completely Pat Brady was in young McDermott's confidence. He also knew that if any direct legal steps were necessary in selling the estate under the mortgage, or if any underhand scheming should be required to drive the McDermott's into further difficulties, Pat Brady could, and probably would, for a consideration, give him his zealous cooperation. There were also other reasons why he desired the assistance of our friend Pat. It was a part of Mr. Keegan's daily practice to obtain what information he could of the habits of those with whom he was likely to form any connection, and it was generally believed, through the county, that he could usually tell those who were, and who were not, guilty of the common crimes of the times, illicit distillation, and secret conspiracies among the poor to injure their superiors, or to redress their fancied wrongs it was from his accurate information on these points that he was usually employed in their defence when they were brought to trial and that he had been able to detect and punish those by whom he had himself been attacked this moreover as his character became known had materially led to his own safety for the boys knew that he knew everything through the county and thus had learnt to become afraid of him He felt, therefore, that as it was probable that Ballycloran would become his own, Pat Brady's assured services might be of great utility, and he found but little difficulty in obtaining them. Pat was clever enough to foresee that the days of the McDermott's were over, and that it was necessary for him to ingratiate himself with the probable future master, and though he, of course, made sufficiently good market of his treachery, he felt that in all ways he consulted his own best interest in making himself useful to Keegan he had dim prospects too of great worldly advantages which might accrue from being chief informer to so conspicuous a man as mr keegan was likely to prove himself and with no false self vanity he felt himself qualified for such a situation there was considerable danger in being always among people of a wild and savage nature to entrap and ensnare whom would be his duty and he felt that he had the requisite courage moreover there was a certain cunning and prudence necessary and in that also he with some truth fancied himself not deficient and as mr keegan's scheme opened upon him the idea of entrapping his young master into the difficulties which lay around offered not a bad opportunity for the display of his talents that such a man as brady is described to be should exist and find employment in a country is a fact which must shock and disgust but that it is a fact in great parts of ireland those who are most conversant with the country will not pretend to deny it is true that by paid spies and informers real criminals may not unfrequently be brought to justice but those who have observed the working of the system must admit that the treachery which it creates the feeling of suspicion which it generates but above all the villainies to which it gives and has given rise in allowing informers by the prospect of blood money to give false informations and to entrap the unwary into crimes are by no means atoned for by the occasional detection and punishment of a criminal let the police use such open means as they have and god knows in ireland they should be effective enough but i cannot but think the system of secret informers to which those in positions of inferior authority too often have recourse has greatly increased crime in many districts of ireland i by no means intend to assert that this system is patronized or even recognized by government i believe the contrary most fully but those to whom the execution of the criminal laws in detail are committed and who look to obtain advancement and character by their activity do very frequently employ what i must call a most iniquitous system of espionage a very few years since i was walking down the street of a small town with a gentleman who was at that time in the immediate employment of the government it was a fair day and we were strolling through the crowd which was moving slowly hither and thither as though in absolute idleness the dusk was fast commencing and he pointed out to me two or three men who had come in from the country like the others telling me that they were waiting till it was dark to speak to him that they did not dare to speak to him during the light that they were in his pay and that they had information to give him respecting illegal societies and hidden arms he ridiculed me when i questioned the propriety of his system in fact he was so accustomed to it that he could not conceive the possibility of going on without it in the same way i have had men pointed out to me by the officer leading a party of revenue police in quest of illicit stills who were dressed as policemen though not belonging to the force and who were brought in that disguise that they might not be known by their neighbors whose haunts they were going to disclose the momentary success no doubt reconciles this usage to the officer employing it but the result must be to create suspicion of each other among the poor and fearfully to increase instead of diminishing crime now that our friend brady's character is perfectly understood we will return to our story first however explaining that he had witnessed the scene between the attorney and his master and had determined to make the most of it thady had turned on the road towards the priest's house without taking any notice of his dependent but this pat could not allow well mr thady you'll live to be even with him yet the born ruffian fakes and a good sight more nor even else it'll be no one's fault but your own even with who with who now Why didn't I see it with mine own eyes the born thief of the world didn't he knock flashes out of your shoulder with the shillelagh he had mr. Keegan I mean and if it weren't that you hadn't bad cess to the luck of it your own bit of a stick in your hand wouldn't you have knocked the life out of him for the name he put on your sister miss Feemy, the blackguard and did you hear him Pat sure I did your honor and did you see him see him yes sure I seed him raise his big stick, and I thought it was nigh kilt you were, and you heard him call your mistress the name he called, and you saw him strike at me the way he did, and I having nothing but my fist to help me, and were you so afraid of a man like Keegan, you wouldn't step forward to strike a blow for me? Afraid of Keegan? No, Master Thady, I aren't afraid of him. But you wouldn't have had me come up just to witness you are the first to strike at him. Nonsense! Wasn't he the first to call my sister the name he did? Ah, but that weren't a breach of the pace. You see, Mr. Thady, them devils of lawyers is so cute, and if I had come to help you, or strike a blow, or riz my stick, he'd have had both before old Jonas Brown to-morrow morning. And where'd we've been then? But, Mr. Thady, as I said before, you'll be more nor even with Mr. Keegan yet, anyway. How'll I be even with him, Pat? But where are you going, Mr. Thady? Sure ain't it your dinner-time at the house? And remember, you've got to be at the wedding to-night oh damn the wedding do you think i'd be playing the fool at weddings to-night after what just took place i want to see father john and i'll go and catch him before he goes down to your sister what mr thady to tell about the blow and the dishonour the ruffian put on you and miss feemy surely you wouldn't be doing that and why not won't all carrick have it before long there's no rule why you should be going and tellin' father john about it yourself and won't he be putting you against revenging yourself and you wouldn't mr thady with the old blood in your veins and in miss feemy's may the devils curse blacken him for the name he give her you wouldn't be puttin' up quiet and aisy with what he's done and the like o' him too by this time thady had stopped and was beginning to waver in his determination of going to the priest he felt that what brady had said was true that the priest would implore him not to avenge himself, in the manner in which his heart strongly prompted him to do. He felt he could not forego the impulse to inflict personal punishment on Keegan, and, after all, what could Father John do for him? Besides, Mr. Thady, now I think of it, Father John ain't in it at all, for he was to be at Drumsna before the wedding, and I know he's to dine with Mrs. McKeon. He does mostly when he's in Drumsna this time of day, so I'm sure he aren't in it. Satisfied by this Thady allowed himself to be led back again, and they walked together in silence a little way You've only to say the word continued Pat in a low voice You've only to say the word to them boys as they'll be there tonight, and they'll see you righted with Keegan What boys and how righted? How righted why how should you be righted after what he's after doing and I tell you them's the boys as will not see your father's son put upon that way Which them d'ye mean Pat? Oh, there's a lot of them up to anything. There's Jack Byrne and Joe Reynolds is mad to be having a fling at Usher, you know. Their brothers is in jail about the malt they found away at Loch Sheen, and there's Corny Dolan and mckeon and a lot more of them. I knows them all, and it'll be just as good to them to be makin' a job at Keegan as the other. I wouldn't have the ruffian murdered, Pat. You don't think I want to have him murdered? Whist, Mister Thady, might be the children about in the trees. There would hear you. Who says anything of murder? no but just give him a baitin that would go nigh tacklin him in the taste of being murther, and the same for master usher for i tell you may the tongue of the cowardly ruffian be blistered for putting the name he did on your sister but he was only repeating what usher has said himself and that more nor once nor trice thady made no reply but walked on slowly he gave no assent but he showed no indignation at the kind of revenge which was proposed to him and what was he saying about the estate keegan i mean mr thady before you came to be quarrelling that way he was saying what'll be through enough that ballycloran will be sold right away before next May and that he himself will be the purchaser and that will be wandering the road like any other set of beggars and did he say he'd buy ballycloran he did and turn you all out mr. Thady and he'll do it too said Thady tundra and ages man and would you be letting him come over ye that way if any blackguard of a lawyer could be selling an estate that way, because money may be a little scarce or so, would there be so many gentlemen in the country enjoying themselves in their own houses, just keeping the right side of the door? Only take care the old man don't be showin' hisself that way he does be doing on the big steps there, and take care the door is kept shut instead of right open, and make Biddy understand she ain't to open it for any one at all, at all except yourself, just and Father John or the like, who wouldn't mind going round to the back door. I tell you that all the flanleys and Keegans in Ireland can't sell ballycloran unless they first got a hold of the old man But can't they put resavers on every acre of the land and wouldn't that be all one as selling it? Oh, let the boys alone for that stick to them and they'll not let a resaver do much among them Fakes I'm thinking I for one wouldn't like to go resaving rents up to drumsley for anyone but the master himself but, anyway, you'll be comin down to the boys and spakin to them yourself this night. You wouldn't go, Mr. Thady, not to be at Mary's wedding. You know that ruffian usher'll be there, and I don't want to be meetin him, but that's just it. Don't let him be there playin what tricks he plays with Miss Feemy, and you're not there to protect her and There's all them boys expect you. You won't let Keegan run off with the land in the house and all without a blow. They'll all be up at Ballycloran to-morrow, and I'll hear what they have to say then. But I tell you, they won't be there at all to-morrow unless you come down to them to-night," answered Pat. Do they mean to say they refuse out and out to pay the rent? Not at all. But they'll be getting stiff if they think you're so thick with them as their enemy, and isn't that natural, too? It's only to come down and say a kind word or so to em yourself. You'll find em all right, and ready to stand by you and yours to the last, Mr. Thady." Well, Pat, I'll be down there. Father John would think it odd if I weren't there. By this time they had got round to the back of the house, where the outhouse stood, and the young man told Brady to go into the kitchen and get him a coal for his pipe, and to tell the girl to say he wouldn't be in to dinner. And won't you be wantin' your dinner, Mr. Thady? No, Pat, I'll just sit and have a smoke in the stable till it's time to go down to you. I couldn't face the old man and Feemy after what just happened." So we will, for the present, leave him smoking in the stable and return to the inmates of the house. It will be remembered that when Father John left Feemy after his morning visit, she remained alone till Mr Keegan came, and that she was dismissed from the dining room when they began to talk on business. She then betook herself to dress for the evening amusement, that is, to make herself something decent before she met Usher, to brush her hair, and to dismiss all traces of the disenchanting dishabil which I have attempted to describe. Whilst at her toilet, Feemy turned over in her mind all that her brother and father John had said, and firmly resolved not to let the evening pass without telling her lover the comfort it would be to have some decided steps taken as to their engagement. And yet she almost shuddered at the thoughts of doing so. There was a frown which occasionally came over Usher's face, which made her dread him, and she couldn't but feel that if he wished to take any such step, he would do so without her asking him. In fact, that it would be much better that he should do so unasked. And then, if he got angry— if he should tell her that as she could not wait and trust him they must part how could she bear the idea of losing him what could she say or do if he answered her sternly if he scolded her or perhaps worse absolutely quarreled with her poor Femi began to wish the evening over to which she had looked forward as the source of so much pleasure she feared to neglect the warning she had received and she felt that things could not go on always as they were but she trembled at the idea of telling this to usher Her silent dinner was soon over. She made her father's punch and sat down to wait for her lover. Larry kept up a continual growl about Thady's absence, suggesting that Keegan had cozened him off to Carrick to sign the estate away, accusing him of conspiracy with the attorney to rob him, his father, wondering why he wouldn't come to dinner, etc., to all which Feemy made no reply. She never noticed his grumblings. She sat absorbed in her own thoughts, meditating what she would say to Usher till she heard his horse's feet at the head of the avenue, and then she jumped up to meet him at the hall door. "'How are you, Miles? And well, Feemy, how's yourself?' And then, having reached the hall door, he took the fond girl in his arms and kissed her. "'Ah, don't then, Miles. There's Caddy on the stairs. Come in, then, and take your punch.' And they entered the room where Larry was sitting over the fire. "'How are you this evening, sir?' said Usher. "'This fine night?' The old man always brightened up a little when Usher came in. "'How do you do, Captain? I'm glad to see you. "'Did the Captain get his dinner, then, Feemy? "'You don't ask Captain Usher whether he got his dinner?' Feemy knows she needn't ask about that. "'That's one of the things I always take care of. "'But where's Thady, Mr. McDermott? "'I wanted to speak to him about Keegan, that sworn friend of his.' "'And Usher began to make himself comfortable with the hot water, sugar, etc. "'Thady, is it you're asking after?' "'Deed, then, I don't know where he is. "'And as for Keegan, but you don't make your punch, Captain,' as for keegan the ruffian he was here this blessed morning wanting me and feemy and thady too to walk clean out of the place but i walked him off the like of him to be buying ballycloran and his father a process server and his wife's father that damned bricklayer flannelly Hullo, mr mcdermott so you've had a breeze with the attorney have you and was thady here at the time he was in it all the time and divil a word he'd say for himself or feemy or his father or the old place either but just wanted me captain to give it all up to them at once the ruffians and when i wouldn't he went off with keegan to carrick there's my own son joined with em again me and he'll help to drive me out he will and fee me too poor girl in vain usher endeavored to make him believe that his son had not conspired against him to deprive him of his property the old man had taken it into his head that Thady had gone off to carrick with keegan and was determined to make the most of this new grievance and would not be comforted he seemed cunning enough in his determination to thwart the attorney in his plan of buying the estate and explained to Usher that he had made up his mind not to be taken personally assuring him that from time to time nothing should induce him to leave his own fireside or so much as show himself at the hall door that he would have the hall door barricaded and in short that he would himself take all those precautions which brady had enumerated to his son as proper to be put in practice on such an occasion and from that time with one sad exception it was many months before larry MacDermot was seen to cross his threshold he strictly adhered to his resolution and although during that time many attempts to arrest him were made he eluded them all he could not however be brought to understand that for the present this was useless that no one could arrest him till after christmas the dread of losing his property had come upon him and he would not allow himself even to be seen by any one but those of his own household and by usher After listening to his grievances as long as he thought necessary, Usher followed Feemy into her own room and here we will leave them till we meet them again at dennis mcgovery's wedding merely remarking that poor feemy though more than once prepared to make her dreaded speech to her lover each time hesitated and stopped and at last made up her mind that it would be just as well to put off the evil hour till her pleasure was over and finally determined to have the conversation on the return home for she well knew that usher would walk back with her to ballycloran where his horse would be left end of section fourteen pat brady